Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Pat Berry. And my name is Jeff Quinto. And we're here today with our Walking with God podcast, where Pat and I get together on a pretty regular basis and talk about our walk with Jesus Christ. Now, the podcast today was inspired by a sermon that I heard online from the Mount Perrin Church of God in Atlanta, Georgia. The sermon was meant to be for graduates, but there was a lot to be said for every one of us. The theme of the sermon is, if we are to make a difference in the world, we need to be different from the world. I was so taken with that idea, and what immediately came to mind was the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission could also be called the only commission because it is the only commission that Jesus gives us, and it's clear what we should do. Allow me to read Matthew 28, starting at the 16th verse. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good stuff. I did not realize that was the only commission, although it, it makes complete sense. I never thought about it that way. But, you know, I like thinking about it that way because I think that makes our job easier. We have one thing, right? Yeah, we have, we have one, one thing. One set of marching orders. That's it. That's it. So as Christians, we're given the task to make a difference in the world and, and convert disciples, bring disciples to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting that it's so clear. Now, we don't live our lives based on its clarity, but it is very clear. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's pretty clear. Three things we're supposed to do. It is. But we're people, so we complicate things. And, you know, quite honestly, I believe that God comes to different people in different ways for different reasons. We talked about this before. Our job as Christians is to introduce Jesus Christ to people. God does the work. That's the other thing. I have to remind myself of that quite often, actually, that we really don't do anything. It's God working through us that brings people to him. We're just the vehicle that he uses to get to other people. Absolutely. It's why it's so important that we understand with clarity what we're asked to do, because it's so easy to be part of the culture, isn't it? To be lured into trying to be acceptable in the eyes of the culture. So we're not to be conformed to society. We're to work around in society. So how is it that we can do that? If somebody come up to you and, and say, you know, how, how, can I, how can I do this? Well, one way to do it, I think the simplest way for me has always been, I just tell my story. I just tell the story of how this happened to me. It's not like I'm telling them, here's what you have to do. I'm giving them the example of what has happened for me. And if the example is compelling enough, if the example is winsome enough, people are gonna, gonna see, well, you know what, maybe I ought to investigate further. Maybe, this is, maybe there's a sign here that I should be paying more attention to this Christianity. It's meant to be a little tap. You know, St. Ignatius said, I know I've used this quote before, but he said, it's our job to do a competent and sufficient job and to leave the rest to him who can do all that he pleases. Back to what you said a minute ago, the idea there is that we don't have to do the heavy lifting. It's not up to us. Good thing too, right? Oh, yeah. 
So we're instead meant to serve as an example, serve as a guide, but not to move people, not to pick people up and move them, and certainly not to, you know, beat them down to the the sidewalk and, you know, demand they become Christians. That isn't going to work. Right. We can do that, but your success rate is going to be low. Yeah, or zero. Or zero, right. (laughs) But what you can do is is actually pretty easy. Mm Mm-hmm. While you're at work, whatever your job is, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you are employed, if you are a student, do whatever you do to the best of your ability with respect and de- deference for your, your supervisors or your teachers. So stay separate in that regard. If you have your fellow employees that are maybe talking trash about your boss, I know that never happens, right? <laughs> you know, stay out of that conversation. Be separate from the world. You can still be in the world. In fact, we have to live in the world. Right. But you can make a difference by being an example of what Christianity is and who it is that is living within us. And then eventually people will start asking, hey, you know, what's going on with you? There's something different about it. They probably won't know what it is, but they'll say, you know, there's something different about you. And that gives you an opening to start talking to people. Yeah. And to start talking to them in a a nice way, in a a pleasant and helpful way. You know, uh, Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, that is by careful examination, you may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Absolutely. And you know, I think he will, if you, if you go down your faith path, he will put different things in front of you, different opportunities in front of you. There was an opportunity last night I had with a young woman who was not born in the United States, came over to the United States, really didn't have much of a belief in anything at all. But she told me, she, you know, she's searching. And she said just this week, Really out of nowhere, she became friends with another pastor who started talking to her and was saying the same things about Jesus that I was. And I'm like, yeah, that's sometimes how it works. You know, God's tapping you on the shoulder. When it comes to things like this, there are no coincidences. Things happen for a reason. And as long as as you're open to it, it was a very quick, like two-minute conversation that we had, and then we were on to, to something else. But the opportunity came up. Yeah, and you were there. And it's the way God works. I think you said the term, I love the idea of being tapped on the shoulder. You actually don't have to pay attention to that tap, right? You can ignore it. That's easy to ignore. But it doesn't change the fact that you were tapped on the shoulder. And and at some point, you get there where you realize, you know, maybe I ought to pay attention to this. Maybe that wasn't a coincidence. Right. And it starts to change your thinking. You start to be open. I think that happens way more than, than we think about. Because one of the things about Christianity, it's great to see people convert and come to Christ. But a lot of times you don't see that. You talk to people. I've spoken with people that I've just met once like this lady. I may never see her again. Yeah. You know, I I have no idea, but hopefully that those seeds, you just plant those seeds and just have the faith that God's going to take care of it. It's not for us. He's just doing the work through us. Yeah. He was there at the right time, putting you in a place. A person, I'll use his name, Pierre Toulier was that guy for us. Pierre Toulier, in like the year 1997, asked to talk to my wife and I. We were friends with him, business friends actually. And he said, uh, can we talk? We were staying at a hotel outside the United States in a, at a conference. And he said, well, uh, can we have a cup of coffee together tomorrow morning? And we said, yeah, not knowing what he wanted, but not really caring. We're happy to, we liked him a lot. And he shared his faith with us. He shared it with my wife, Tony, and with and with me. And the, the fact is that it it didn't take, it didn't seem to take, I would say. He gave us a Bible. And 
It didn't seem, but took was, we realized how sincere he was, how committed he was. It was a lovely thing. So even though I didn't, I didn't, you know, slap myself on the forehead and go, I'm saved. What I did is I, I gained a greater respect for him and for his faith and realizing that, you know, that's something I want. And I, I put it in the back of my head. Right. It wasn't for 12 years before I got more serious. So that's what did. He did the job, and he just walked away from it. He didn't demand us. He didn't arm wrestle us to the ground and demand that we accept Christ. That isn't it. He just gave this winsome witness, and it affected us in a good way, sort of setting the table, if you will, for what was going to come next literally a dozen years later. That's the way it works, I think, more often than not, especially in, you know, in today's society. I think people are thirsty for this, wanting what, I want what Jeff has. Mm -hmm. I want what Pat has. They may not exactly know what it is because there's a lot of people that weren't raised in the church at all. They have no background in the Bible, in scripture, in church. They have no idea what it is, but they, they know, you know, there's something different about us. And too often now, especially now in this country and really all over the world, we're becoming tribal. We're finding our identity in things we shouldn't find our identity in. We find our identity in our political parties. We find our identity in maybe sports teams or our job or in our sexuality or whatever it might be when really what we need to do is find our identity in Jesus Christ. Once that happens, things start to fall into place. And it's not always going to be an easy road and it's not always going to be a smooth road. But it's, it's a road that you will keep traveling and just keep walking down the road because, you know, at the end, there's good stuff waiting at the end. Absolutely. You know, and I think more and more people these days want that. And we're giving them an option that a lot haven't heard of. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting the way you said that because it's really true. We're becoming more tribal. People's identity is linked to things outside themselves, linked to things in the culture. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, reading from the 19th verse, we hear that, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Yeah, that, that's really the whole point, isn't it? Where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Your heart will follow where your treasure is. And so if your treasure is this identity that you've created for yourself, an identity that's filled with perhaps wealth or it's filled with popularity in the, in the culture or whatever it's, it's filled with, if it's not filled with the Lord, it's not filled with anything that, that is permanent. It's filled with things that are temporary, that will change, that aren't really anything worthwhile. You're laying up your treasures here on earth and they will go away. Yes, they will, just like everything else, because it's all, you know, we're just stewards. And I think we say that, even as Christians, oh, we're just stewards, but we really are. This is all, it's all God's. It's all going back to him. We're just here shepherding things along. Yeah, but we think that we're the center of the universe, right? Yeah. Or I do. I can't speak for you. I shouldn't. No, I think that's human nature, but it's nice to not have that perspective, to get out of that perspective, even though occasionally I, I fall back into it. I think it's human nature. It happens. But I can tell you when I am at my best, it's when I'm not thinking about myself. And I think that actually there's science, follow the science, right? Um, one of the things with people of high anxiety is when they care too much about themselves and not enough 
about others. Absolutely. You know, when I'm down, the first thing I do is do something nice for somebody else. It's the, it's the most wonderful way to get out of a funk is just do something nice for somebody else. It's not doing something nice for me, but it is in the end. Right. It is in the end. And that, that's the thing with the culture today. I believe that it's so inwardly focused. Everybody is defining themselves in their, in their own specific, narrow way, having no sense of a, bigger, of a bigger world or certainly no sense of a God. And the fact is that that inward focus is going to lead to anxiety, to depression, to all kinds of things. It leads to everything but hope. Looking at Christ and looking toward God leads exactly toward hope. It leads toward something bigger. And it's just like the idea we're talking about, helping people. It's all through Christianity. From the, the entire Bible, actually, is about helping other people. It's what it's about. And so when you do that, when you're outwardly focused, outwardly focused to help people, you're, you're going to change the world in a little way. In a little way, every day, and just being nice to people and not asking them to, you know, you have to believe now. And, you know, I'm a Christian. That's why I'm being nice. No, you just be nice to be nice. And the fact that you're a Christian will come out. It'll come out in time. People will, will realize there's something about you, and, they, and they'll ask you, and, and you'll just be a demonstration of it. You don't have to, as I said a minute ago, you don't have to arm wrestle them to the floor. You just be nice in what you do. Be outwardly focused to help Yes. Them. It is interesting because you're, if you're wondering how I should act, you know, what should I do? I would say go back to scripture and just look and see what Jesus did, how he walked through the times that he walked through. You know, he never protested against Rome. He never took part in any demonstration. He never really spoke angrily with people who disagreed with him, uh, a little bit of the Pharisees. He saved yeah. some ire for them. But for, for people, he was very patient with them. And I know that's another thing with human nature, that if you have someone, especially if someone who may not believe as you do culturally or in this realm, it can be difficult to have patience with them. But that's another, that's another mark of Christianity. Yeah. And even with the Pharisees, you're right about that, that, that Jesus didn't, he didn't start protest marches and so forth. And, and the Pharisees, he was clearly against their over-legalism, but he was kind to them. He was kind to them and he told them stories that were meant to move them, to help them to move from where they were to a better place, challenging them by the stories for sure, but not doing it in such a way that would have been an embarrassment or demanded their reaction to it in a way. He, he, in a way, he outsmarted them at, at every turn, didn't he? These stories Yes, he did. Outsmarted him like the Good Samaritan. I mean, that's an outrageous story if you know what the Hebrews thought of the Samaritans. And here, the hero of the story is a Samaritan. It's outrageous. He's like the worst of the worst, and yet he's the hero of the story. Right. right. When I'm looking at, at this, that you need to be separate f from the world in order to make a difference in the world, it really is true. And I've just been reflecting here about how difficult that is too, and how easy it is to to fall in. So I think it's, it's something that we need to guard against. And again, I would like to recommend, which we have a lot, and I think we do just about every time, is get in the Word daily. Mm -hmm. Get in the Word daily, in prayer daily. It's not going to be perfect. Your, your life isn't going to be perfect, but it's going to be very helpful, and it's going to give you a leg up on just how to go out and walk through the world. Yeah. How to live a life that honors God in this yes. world and brings and helps bring people to a better place, helps bring people hope. It's an important thing, isn't it? A big deal. 
and you can start it. You don't have to have some complicated you know, plan for how you're going to read. I would suggest if you're just starting out, you start with Matthew, and you just start reading, and you read the New Testament, and then you go through the Old Testament. And there's a, of course, I would say this, but you could take the Bethel series would be a good place to start. The Bethel series would be a good place to start. It'll give you a fantastic uh, knowledge base. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Uh, well said. Uh, the point is that you just need to start. You just need to start and let the Holy Spirit guide you as to what your next step might be. And, and certainly, as Pat said, it starts with prayer. You can do that. Anyone can do that. There's no, there's no great model that you have to follow or it won't work. You do it before you get up in the morning. You do it before you go to sleep at night. You, you bring your hands together and you silently pray to God. And you'll get good at it. Uh, you may not be good the first time you think, but you'll get good at it, and and it will be something important in your life. And then you add scripture to that as you read the scripture. As Pat said, don't expect it to jump out at you and have your life just turn around, you know, 360 degrees the first day. It's going to take some time, but it will come. It will come. You need to open up your heart so the Holy Spirit can work on you, can help to guide you, help to lead you. You know. When Pat and I started this, we said, well, you know what? There's this quote from C.S. Lewis that we think is so important. We say it every time because we think it's so important, but it is, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I pray that you will join Pat and I in making the decision that this Christianity is, in fact, true. And because it's true, it is of infinite importance. It's so important that we all should live our lives based on that Christianity. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the direction that you've given us. We thank you for this commission, this simple commission to do three things, to do three things in the world, to do them in our own way, in our own small way, day after day through an entire lifetime, helping people to move along and moving ourselves along, improving ourselves as we go, sanctifying our lives as we go, purifying what we do, careful that we don't commit sins, careful that we serve as an example to other people to lead them to you. Lord, will you guide us, lead us, and protect us as we go in Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. 